Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So this is a milestone. It's the last episode of 2022. It's also the 200th episode since we launched in January 2019. Consistently 50 episodes a year, four years in. I hope you thank you all our listeners who've listened throughout. I hope you enjoyed many of the conversations we've had. Uh, As usual, we're going out with a a bang, with a big episode. Uh, Typical founder, startup, big idea, big industry. Uh, this one is all about smart homes, it's about technology, it's about manufacturing in the UAE. One of my little passion uh, points on this podcast is to find people who are actually building and doing here as well. I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. We are with Muneeb Mishtaq, he's the CEO and co-founder of Air Zayah. Air Zayah? Yes, Air Zayah. Air Zayah. He did tell me how to pronounce it, I'm still messing up. Uh, so Air Zayah, they are uh, Air Zayah Roma, who recently launched their fra- flagship product. It's really epic, we put some uh, visuals up on the stream. Uh, and they're a smart home fra- fragrance diffuser that creates a mist and it's the safest, purest way. So we're going to talk all about Erzaya and the luxury homes goods market in the UAE and their future plans. So good morning, Muneeb, how are you? Good morning. I'm feeling great. Almost the end of the year. So very excited to be here spending the morning with you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice time of the year. You've just mentioned it's your birthday a couple of days ago. Everyone's sort of like relaxed this week. It's kind of a little bit of, while we're all working, it's a little bit of downtime. It's a cool time of the year. It is, and it's a very turbulent time as well at the same time because most of my friends are celebrating Christmas and <laughs> others are getting ready for the New Year's, so my birthday sort of gets squished right in the middle. So, you know, I have to choose the sides. What side do I leave? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's good to chat in person this morning as we kind of wind down the year. So, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Uh, what is it exactly? So, Airzai, uh, like, and like, you know, just the AI in the end is pretty much self-explanatory in terms of like, and a lot of people are actually very curious about how we're utilizing AI in the fragrance industry. And of course, we'll talk more about it as we go along. But the main idea was that, um, you know, we, in my career in the past, like, you know, having built and sold two tech companies, that was my forte. Uh, being, what companies were they? So the first one we did was an online marketing company. And uh, at, that was back in 2012 when I was graduating from University of Toronto and did business school and like, you know, supposed to go into like, you know, uh, either accounting. So like, you know, do CPA um, or just like, you know, stay in that uh, industry. But I decided, hey, I want to start something for myself. And online marketing is something that was booming at that time. So we built it and actually right after I graduated, we got an offer that we couldn't refuse and ended up actually selling the company. And that gave me and especially my father a lot of confidence in my capabilities to actually build something of value. 
So then we ended up starting a second company in Canada uh, called Ask for Task, which is like uh, very similar to like Uber, but for home services. Mm. Um, and we grew very quickly, became profitable and became the second largest marketplace in all of Canada by market share. Uh, so that was a really good ride as well for me to sort of learn and understand the dynamics of like just network effects of uh, like, you know, digital marketing, because we were very heavy on that brand building and then the PR aspect of it. And uh, after that, I just decided, hey, you know what? Uh, gotta follow my passion. And one of my passions is fragrances. Mm. And uh, having a tech background and being very passionate about fragrances, we started this Airzai project uh, literally as a passion project uh, with me and my two other co-founders to just see how far we can take it. And before we knew it, it became a full-blown venture. And mm. here we are today. <laughs> wow. So you're, you're in Toronto. You grew up there. You studied there. You created and an exited two businesses there. You created Airzai there. Uh, what brings you here? <laughs> That's an excellent question. So I think that uh, UAE uh, and Dubai in general have always had a very special spot in my heart. And the reason I say that is because I think the first time I came here was almost like uh, seven or eight years ago. And and I've, I've seen my friends tell me this, a lot of people tell me this, right when you land uh, the Dubai International Airport and you know, you're taking your cab or whatever to the hotel and you see the skyline, just the excitement, the goosebumps that you get and the energy you get from the city. I felt that and I loved it. And because I had a few friends uh, who were in University of Toronto with me as international students and then they were originally from Dubai, so they moved back and they invited me and they wanted me to check out the city. I did that and I loved the whole vibe here. And I just made it a point to sort of visit it at mm -hmm. least once a year. So I would always find an excuse, like work related, friends related, what have you, to sort of come and visit Dubai. And I think uh, in the last two years with all the, you saw like how the pandemic was up and coming and like, you know, like there were so many issues that were going on in the world. One thing that came to my mind was that, hey, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's see what other places we can sort of explore in the world. And Dubai sort of stood up on the list for me. And right away, and when I started dabbling in my network here, I have a very extensive network in Dubai from the business perspective as well. So the more I shared my vision uh, and our vision for Airzai and what we want to do, uh, especially in technology space and AI, um, UAE seemed to sort of align the most with like the amount of work, innovation and ecosystem that is being established here and the amount of and the talent pool. Uh, it made natural sense for us to sort of set up an office here and sort of even set up a team here. Um, to get benefit from that and actually be part of this whole ecosystem that is getting established. So I looked at Erzai on your Instagram and on your website, and I don't know if this was intentional, but I got a very kind of Dyson feel about it. You know, the air, for air diffusers and all the sort of home, uh, smart homes feel to it. Uh, is that intentional? And, but also, where does the frequencies come in and what's, what is the actual product? What does it do? Great question. So um, the Dyson vibe, okay, so that wasn't intentional. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I feel that one similarity that we have with Dyson uh, per se is that if you look at it, uh, the founder of Dyson, um, James Dyson, I believe, um, 
the guy is just all about innovation and engineering, right? Mm. Even when he started, there's a very famous story about him, how he created 5,000 prototypes and failed uh, before uh, creating uh, the Dyson products. Mm. And I think that's in our DNA too. We actually take this as an example internally in our team that, you know, just the tenacity and the perseverance you need to sort of keep going despite the failures is something that sort of that needs to be in the DNA of hardware companies. Mm. And for what we're doing with Airzai, uh, especially in the fragrance, and um, a lot of times people think that it's just in another diffuser, but the, the reality is that the amount of R&D, and we've invested millions of dollars in doing the R&D both on the hardware side and the software side. Mm. And what I mean by that is, like, if we go deeper, and I want to share a little bit of the scientific aspect of why fragrances are so important other than just smelling good and like, you know, making you happy. Uh, there is a scientific reason behind it. And the thing is that there's two things that fragrance do. One is they impact your mood mm. right away. So like, you know, whenever you walk into, and this is a very common thing in Dubai, you walk into a nice hotel in the lobby, there is a nice fragrance or scent and all of a sudden you feel refreshed, you feel good, right? Or you smell fresh roses, all of a sudden it lightens up your mood. But more importantly, if you look at our sense of smell, it's the olfactory system, right? And as soon as you smell a scent, the molecules, they travel up your nose and they go into a part of brain that is closely connected to uh, your uh, amygdala, and uh, another part of the brain that is responsible for driving memories and happiness. Mm. So when the molecules go up, they get registered in your olfactory bulb that is right next to your amygdala, right? And what that does is that helps you drive memories through the fragrance. And that is why you might have noticed that like, you know, anytime you smell uh, like, you know, like freshly baked cookies, it reminds you of your childhood time. Maybe your grandmother was baking cookies or lavender is known to relax you or like, you know, help you unwind. So whenever you smell lavender, by default, you feel relaxed and like, you know, just like want to unwind. So driving those properties from the fragrances uh, by utilizing uh, your olfactory system is something that our team is focusing on a lot on the hardware end. Had anyone done this before? Like, is it, is having a diffuser for fragrances a new idea? It actually is not. It's been, uh, it's like very ancient, like in mm. ancient history, especially like um, um, on, on, in Chinese side and then especially in Egypt as well. It's, it goes back up to like 5,000 years ago. But I, I get candles and other ways to have fragrances, but, mm -hmm. you know, actually having it like an air fresh, like, well, there's air fresheners, I guess, isn't there? They are. And, yeah. and you know what? So the thing is that aromatherapy is the technical word or the word that we are all know about. And mm. it's been around for ages, right? Mm. So like you have candles, but at the same time, you have like other diffusers and essential oils that you put in the water. They mm. create this scent, a mist, right? Mm. So it has been around and it used to be very medicinal in ancient history. And like, you know, like till like a few decades ago. But what has happened now is that there are new applications, there's been so much more research, there's been so much more development in utilizing the benefits out of these natural ingredients mm. and driving good fragrances and good scents as well. So candles, uh, it's good that you brought that up because candles are known to be more of a celebratory thing mm. or something that is sort of like, you know, I wanna save this for a nice occasion, like a nice candlelit dinner, or like an anniversary, or sometimes it's just for like, hey, you know, I want to create a vibe. But we don't realize that the amount of toxins that get released 
uh, when you're burning a candle, right? It's actually not very safe for your health, like, you know, when you're always uh, inhaling that. So it's something that people overlook or they're not actually properly educated on because like candles has just been part of our life, like since we were born, because they're so, they're, their history just goes back so far back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. And when, so when did you actually launch Erzai and when was the first product on the shelves per se? Great question. So I think um, uh, it's a very interesting history with Erzai. Like I mentioned, so it's three of us. Uh, we literally just decided to put our own money and hire a, because we didn't have a hardware background. Uh, and this is a good lesson for new entrepreneurs mm. uh, who want to start something new, because we're always so hesitant about, well, I don't have the knowledge. What would I do? Like, should I learn? Should I get the right people? Of course, you need to have the right people in team. But if you have an idea that sticks with you for more than 48 hours, you need to take an action and start working on it. Mm. Even if you don't have the experience, because you will attract and find the right people who can actually help you along the way. Mm. So we did not have any experience in hardware and we were like, okay, what should we do about this? So we were just like, okay, let's get a hardware studio, get the industrial design, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering. And trust me, I did not know any of those things because I went to business school and I'm like, okay, like how do we figure this out? And, but we got started. And of course, along the way, we made a lot of mistakes. We had a lot of learnings, but eventually what we realized is that there is a big market for this kind of product, primarily because people, if they want to use essential oils, they want to use diffusers. What happens is that you would go to, for example, Amazon or any other online website, and you would try to order like one of these, like, you know, no name brand diffusers. Okay, now you've gotten that, but then Essential oils, where would you get them? There are a thousand other brands that you can get that, right? Now, you bring them together. Now you have to add water. You have to put droplets of oil. And then it runs for 20 minutes. And let's just say you want to change the fragrance or the essential oil. Now you have to clean it out, wipe it out. It's so tedious to engage with a diffuser, even though you can drive so many health properties and benefits from it that people give up on it. How many times has happened that, and normally it's just a gift. You get it as a gift, you're excited, you set it up yeah. for a week or two and then it starts collecting dust on the side. Yeah. So that's one of the big problems we're solving in this industry. Similar to like coming back to the Dyson example, like, you know, you have this bladeless fan that costs maybe like 20 times the price of a regular fan, but it just works. The engineering is amazing. It's aesthetically pleasing. And if you have guessed over anybody who sees that you're using Dyson products, they just, uh, they respect you for that because they know that you appreciate good products in your life. <laughs> and so, so okay, you buy one of the Erzai products. How many products do you have? So currently, uh, we have one product that is hitting the market very soon. Yeah. Uh, it's called Erzai Aroma. Yeah. That is our smartest diffuser, and we're calling it the smartest diffuser in the world because literally it is one of the products that uh, it does not exist in the market. Uh, and the reason being we're, 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 we're sort of uh, hitting it with two ends. Like we have the hardware side and then we have the software side. Um, our background in software is enabling us to sort of um, make the whole process of engaging with the diffuser very hands-off. So I'll give an example. So you, for example, I give Richard an Airza Aroma and you know, at the same time you get two fragrances. So it takes two fragrances at a time. So you can mix and match and create your own profile. And every scent has a certain property. So for example, it could be energize, mm -hmm. it could be relax, it could be unwind. So the two main properties are either you wanna uplift your mood, get energized to focus on your work, go for a workout and stuff, or you're looking to meditate, you're looking to sleep, you're looking to unwind, you're looking to just end your day, right? So it's either or. 
So the way it works is that you put in your sense, uh, you connect it, there's an app, it gets connected via Wi-Fi, and now it's smart home device. It's How do you connected. put the sense in? Do you buy the uh, It's like pods. It's like pods. So pods, it's small yeah. pods. Literally, you open up the lid and you just pop it in. Simple. Very cool. So similar to like a Nespresso coffee machine. You know, you want to make yourself a coffee, you put in a pod, close it, tap the button, it brews your coffee. Do you need, don't need to add water. You don't need to add, there's no like, uh, like, you know, science project going on, mm -hmm. like with other diffusers where you have to put water, droplets of oil, all that stuff. This is just a pot. You take it, pop it in, and boom, it's and all connected. What's in that pot? Is it perfume or what is it? it it's, it's, in, it's oils. So yeah. we, it's a mixture so it's, of oils. And what we have done is that uh, it's an oil that is optimized for Air's Eye. So it doesn't actually work in any other device except for Air's Eye because the delivery of it is actually uh, optimized for the technology that we have in our device. Mm. So the way it would work is, again, how you, it would make you a perfect cup of coffee with Nespresso, it would make you a perfect blend of scent that is gonna evolve. Now you don't need to even touch the device, don't need to do anything. You can, there are different modes on the app, but my favorite mode is the scheduling. Mm. So what that means is that you would put in your schedule that look, on weekdays I go to bed around 10, 10.30, I wake up at 6 a.m., that's my day, I'm not at home, and it actually knows. So it has mm. sensors, it has all the geofencing technology and a couple of other feature sets that actually make sure that it sort of adopts to your lifestyle. So even though Richard might be saying that I go to bed at 10.30, he might be going to bed at midnight. Mm. So like, you know, as you use it, it will actually learn. And that's mm. where the machine learning and smart aspect comes into play where it won't really turn on because look, these oils are expensive, right? And you don't mm. wanna just be wasting them when you're not using them or you're mm. not at home. So it will turn on, uh, let's just say, one of our scents is uh, white tea and jasmine, right? So just to give you a bit of properties, like white tea is similar to like, you know how we, a lot of people have ritual of having a tea at night to relax, calm their nerves and stuff. So white tea has properties, it's very popular in aromatherapy world. It has the properties of like, uh, like you know, just uh, anti-inflammatory aspect of it, uh, helps you in unwinding, it's, anti-anxiety, anti-depression, it just relaxes you, just calms you down. Whatever kind of day you've had, it's gonna calm you down, mm. right? And the jasmine is very sweet, very, uh, it alleviates your mood. So it makes you just happy in general. Mm. So imagine you're going to sleep with a fragrance like white tea and jasmine. So it turns out by itself, that's your favorite fragrance because there are two scents and it puts you to sleep. Mm. Now it knows that Richard <clears throat> has an early morning meeting and needs to be up at six, so 5.45, it's gonna turn on our bergamot yuzu scent. Mm -hmm. So now bergamot is citrusy. It's there to uplift your mood. It's there to energize you, to wake you up, right? Mm. And yuzu has the properties of like just calming you down and sort of like, you know, helping you to relax. So you're waking up to a fragrance. So in our experience so far, you wouldn't even need an alarm clock because it's gonna smell so good. Imagine you're waking up to a scent of coffee or like, you know, something that is gonna just energize you even in yeah. bed. It will turn on, you'll hit the shower, dress up. You don't need to turn it on, off, whatever, and you, you're you out the door, it will know, Richard is out, it's gonna turn off and save your scent for the preceding evening. How much are they, the aroma? The, the device itself that, or yeah. the fragrances? The device. So the device ranges from, so there are different, um, I would say versions of it, because again, uh, not only did we decide to make the product functional, mm. it's very aesthetically pleasing as well, and it's nice. customizable. So it has sleeves similar to like, you know how you customize your iPhones with like different cases. You, there's like a fabric sleeve, there's a leather sleeve, then we're doing some collaborations with luxury uh, brands. Nice. 
design. So the the, the base model runs at 499 USD. Yeah. Um, and it can go up to like, you know, uh, we even have a $5,000 uh, gold-plated version. So it's really, it really is designed to be aesthetically pleasing as well as functional and kind of for the bedroom, but also living room areas. Yeah, so the, the main idea behind this is that it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle, mm. right? So like, you know, you've seen the new smart home aspect, right? You have Philip Hue bulbs, smart home bulbs. You have Sonos speakers, right? Yeah. You have all these products that are working by default, right? Like, mm. you know, let's just say you walk in and you just say, and you, then you have Google Home and Amazon Alexa. So you can say, hey, Google, I want to relax, mm. right? So <clears throat> your Sonos speaker is going to turn on, like, you know, jazz music, if, you, if that is your thing and that's your preference. The light is going to turn ambient. Mm. Now, AirZye is going to create the fragrance that you like to blend into the whole ecosystem. It has aesthetic uh, vibe to it, like, you know, the looks, but at the same time, it has... LEDs and light on the top as well that is very ambient as well so it gives you this breathing effect of like you know pulsing where you look at it and just even just looking at it it's going to be an amazing conversation starter if you have your guest over mm. and you're hosting a party or what have you um, and at the same time anytime that you look at it you're just going to be happy that you bought a product that it actually just aesthetically pleasing and it's mm. not because normally like uh, companies unfortunately they don't really focus on the looks of because uh, they're like, hey, you're just smelling a scent. Yeah. But I think anything that you engage with, anything that you spend the money on, it needs to have this value for money that you're spending. Mm. So why not make it aesthetically pleasing? The most premium ingredients that you can have possibly mm. drives health benefits. It's really smart. So it learns about you without you telling it all the time or engaging with it. And at the same time, helps you achieve balance in your life and just like, you know, makes you happy every time, every single time you look at it. Very cool. Sounds amazing. So uh, funding wise, mm -hmm. when you uh, when you pitch this out or when you look at it, <clears throat> who does it appeal to? Does it appeal to people who believe in future smart homes, um, sort of uh, consumer electronics, people like that? And how did you did you raise funding? And how did you go about it? Good question. So I think, so I have a, as I mentioned, build and sold two startups. I have yeah. a good history and experience with fundraising, right? Mm -hmm. Like an almost raised almost 25, 30 million so far. Um, I feel that um, the best investor, so uh, one misconception that new entrepreneurs have is that money is hard to come by. Money is not hard. If you're building something of value, you would actually attract investors mm -hmm. and there would there'd be an, a lot more inbound interest than you reaching out. So I think it comes down to having quality investors on your cap table or capitalization table, which captures all the investors that you have um, in your company. Uh, it's very important to have people who bring more than just money, right? Because what happens is that when you're navigating a startup, right, there is so many things, challenges specifically that comes up where you have to have right mentors right people uh, in the deal and in the company that have skin in the game that would be there to support. Mm. Of course, you're not relying on them. You're not depending on them. They're just a sound counsel for you. But the, the thing is that when you have that support system in place, and I'm very grateful that I was, like, we were very, very mindful of uh, who was investing in Airzai and at what stage and what value they were bringing in. So all our s investors are strategic investors. And every time we have done a round of funding, we have gotten oversubscribed in a very short amount of time. Mm. So to give you an example, even the first time when we were raising the round of funding, actually, we initially, we didn't even want to raise the round because it was just a passion project, like I mentioned, yeah. right? We wanted to create something and put it on the market. But 
when you're creating something with passion and you're so driven to it, uh, people notice and they want to be part of your success as well. And like, you know, we had so many inbound interests from people, especially high net worth individuals, people who have done incredible work and created companies, for example, on the marketing side, on, on operations side, on hardware side, right? Uh, one of my investors built and sold a, a hardware company for like $500 million. Now, the, the kind of wisdom and knowledge he can share with me, that is worth a lot more than the money he's putting in, yeah. right? So you have to be so mindful of like who you sort of pitch your project to and who you let in. A lot of times the entrepreneurs, they get a little bit desperate uh, and they want to just like, you know, um, I would say just reach out to everybody, blast messages on LinkedIn or their circle, what it does is it dilutes your value as an entrepreneur, right? And it's not about ego or pride. First of all, you should take pride in the project on the work that you're doing. You should always be proud of that because it's like, you know, you're, you're following your life's work, right? Mm -hmm. But the second thing is you have to be patient and you have to wait for the right people to come in and be part of the deal. Yeah. And uh, the more patient you are and the more invested you are yourself, not even just monetarily, just like, you know, you are invested and you show that, like, you know, by doing the work and putting in the work. Because mm. mind you, 90% of the entrepreneurs, uh, they're wantrepreneurs. That's a very common <laughs> term too, right? Because we see all the glamorous life on like Instagram of like entrepreneurs, like jet setting, buying expensive cars, giving entrepreneurs, being on covers of magazine. That is like not even 1% of the entrepreneurial journey. Like the true entrepreneurship is putting in the hours. What are you doing behind the scenes when no one is watching? Yeah. Right. Definitely. And if you can do that uh, and you can, and, and you only do that when you're actually truly passionate and invested in, in the idea and the project that you're doing. Yeah. So I feel that number one, uh, do something that you truly love. So don't worry about the money. And the second thing is uh, don't get desperate about getting investors. When you're doing stuff, keep pitching, keep sharing your idea to people, but be selective of who you let in on your deal because that's okay. going to make or break your project. Okay, so it's kind of early stage funding for you guys at this mm -hmm. stage. Uh, did, you, did you raise funds and did you use some of those funds for manufacturing? Or how did you, you mentioned the hardware advisor there. Uh, is you know, because I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's these days there tends well there's many types of companies, but on this podcast I come across different types of companies. One who's building for the long term uh, infrastructure, technology, hardware, software. Uh, others who are who are brilliant at building brands, mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, that brand that someday will need an acquisition to be part of the sort of infrastructure of a, of a of a bigger corporate that can do the logistics and the fulfillment and everything like that. So the, the kind of Kardashian model or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So brilliant at brand building, uh, but then might get to the, uh, to the nuts and bolts of things later or might exit sort of thing. So how do you, how do you do view that overall, Manib, like when you're approaching projects and then how have you done it for, for Erzai? Great question. I think... Um the, the, the main thing about any project that you start, hardware or not, is that you have to learn very quickly how to juggle f five balls at a time, mm. right? Like, you know, and that could be 
operations, manufacturing, PR, marketing, fundraising, uh, board setting, advisory, uh, what else am I missing? Uh, finance, uh, everything, yeah. customer service. Hiring, did you mention that? Probably oh, hiring, <laughs> ah, the biggest, the most Talents. critical, the most critical, the most challenging one, 100% I agree. So you have to wear all these hats at the same time. And there is a time and place to sort of find the right people yeah. and uh, who are smarter than you, who knows more about you in each specific field and trust them with that and get out of their way. This is, that's the true leadership, right? And that's the true trajectory of a successful startup. Now, talking about manufacturing. So for example, uh, again, not having my personal experience with manufacturing, um, I bought investors and advisors on board who had a lot of experience in this field, Yeah. right? One example I'll give you is one of my advisors is Mike Farley, who is a founder of a company called Tile. A Tile is a small tracker, um, similar to like your AirTag now that you see with Apple, but this, he started like five, I think seven years ago. Uh, it was a very novel product and quickly scaled the company to I think $100 million in sales by like year three. Yeah. Now, when I talk with Mike, we're talking about like, you know, the, the advices he has given me, the context that he has shared in terms of what is what are the challenges and more specifically just the knowledge around how the manufacturing process works like you know how it goes from like you know once it's ready you have the dfm like you know design for manufacturing files then you go into like design validation process then ebt electronics validation then prototype validation and then you hit the mass production trust me i didn't know any of this stuff i learned it right while I actually what went around it and then when even if you have the right team and stuff is happening and like you know you're on the roll there are certain um, external circumstances and uh, events that happen that are out of your control. Very cool story. Actually, very, I would say, enlightening story for us was that we were going to go into manufacturing with Airzai um, January of 2020. And you yeah. know exactly what happened in January of 2020. Yeah, some, something happened. Yeah, Something <laughs> happened. Something happened. And, and the funny thing is that I was booked on a flight to uh, Shenzhen because that's where our factory was located. Wow. And my director of operations, Tim, uh, out of California, he warns me, he's like, I've been talking to my contacts in China and there is this like uh, virus outbreak in Wuhan. I don't know where Wuhan is. I don't know how serious this virus is because in our lifetimes, we haven't seen a pandemic. We don't really know uh, how big the perimeters of this uh, virus is going to be. And so I came from Toronto uh, to California for some meetings and then from California to Dubai. And I'm in Dubai, mid-Feb, and I'm booked for a flight to China from here. And um, yeah, so like, you know, uh, my team is like, yeah, you shouldn't fly to China. This is not safe. And I'm like, it's just a quick trip because I have to visit the factory. I have to finalize the deal and we have to get the ball rolling and get into manufacturing because we have like, you know, we're doing the sales, we're taking pre-orders. And um, I feel that, uh, thank God, I did not end up taking that flight. Like, you know, something happened last minute and we're like, okay, we'll just do... Um, at that time, even Zoom wasn't that popular, if you remember. So it used to be like in-person meetings. Of course, we had Skype and all that stuff, Google Hangouts and all that stuff. But we were relying on video calling. And if I would have actually gone to China, I would probably still be there, yeah. right? And the learning from that was, and then, of course, the factory shut down, everything. Our project came to a complete halt because there was no manufacturing. And when the factories opened a few months later, uh, they were doing... Uh, all the PPE stuff. So like, you know, from ventilators to like all the essential stuff that was needed at that time because it was a global pandemic. So the thing is that the learnings that came, even though we had the right team in place, the learnings that came from a challenging external event that happened in the world 
is something that only makes you stronger. Like our team got a lot stronger. We learned to adapt. We actually pivoted and we did um, uh, more research on different aspects. We launched products. For example, we did um, an air disinfectant, which was made of completely uh, pure natural uh, ingredients with no alcohol. And then we got like approvals from Health Canada, from FDA, everything. It was a premium product. And we bought it to the market and people loved it because it was disinfecting the air around you because that was the need of the time at that time. So another good lesson for like pivoting at the right time when you are hit with adversity, when you're hit with circumstances that are out of your control is so important uh, in your entrepreneurial journey. And now coming back to what you were mentioning about juggling multiple things, I feel that uh, at first when you're starting off, uh, it's so essential because I had experience in the past I had a solid team. I knew the right people uh, to connect with, to onboard. And um, it was very, I, I knew my personal strengths and I thrive in like digital marketing, PR. That's what I love myself. And then the creative side of the product, right? Like, you know, how the aesthetics are going to look like. So I was deeply involved with our chief designer, Fred Bowles, on the industrial design aspect because that's, that's the process I personally enjoy. This is the guy you mentioned who is the GoPro background. He is, yeah. yes, 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 correct. So and you have you have really top uh, talent in your company already. We do, and uh, like speaking about Fred Bowles, like he is one of the most renowned industrial designers in the world. Like mm. he is uh, the guy who designed the first ever GoPro camera. Um, I don't see Nest smart thermostat, uh, yeah. really popular in Middle East region. Uh, but in North America, Europe, and other parts of the world, Nest Thermostat is a huge hardware success story mm. uh, because in a few years, they got acquired by Google for like over $3 billion. So he was a designer of that too. And so bringing him on board as a chief designer for Airzai, and the design speaks for himself, of itself, like you know how well designed it is. Uh, it was uh, quite a lot of uh, persistence in like, you know, just convincing him to come on board because uh, he's very selective of the projects. He has a certain criteria. And so just like a brown guy from Toronto, just trying to get the best designer in the world based out of California was an uphill battle. But again, the perseverance and like, you know, <laughs> just and selling your vision, right? Like, you yeah. know, when you have the passion for something, it shows and it sort of like, you know, gets other people motivated and it creates this good energy around you. And we never compromised on the talent. So from Fred Bowl to all the other team members that we have on our team, it's just been an amazing journey with people who are just dedicated to that vision. So going back to that pandemic story and about China and the factory, did you eventually you end up, do you produce these products out of Shenzhen or did you find somewhere else? Great question. So that's one of the reasons we're in UAE. Uh, and you know what? Um, I think the dependence, because after that, there was a big uh, supply chain issues. Definitely. You must be aware yeah. of that. Microchips and then uh, the the supply chain. Those were the two, uh, I think, uh, things that got really affected uh, by pandemic. And we're still seeing the aftermath of that is what, from what I'm hearing uh, and from what we're seeing, what we're observing in the market, now it's clearing out and hopefully by second quarter of 2023, they should both be back to normal okay. from the supply basis. But I think one thing that really the world learned was that uh, taking the dependency out of China, right? Mm. I think uh, one of the things that as a company, because we're creating a very premium product uh, and something that has been designed by like world-renowned designers and like engineers and like, you know, it's created in North America as well. We 
actually we're not in the favor of being in uh, in China because like you know it compromises the quality unless you're Apple and you have like tier A manufacturers like Foxconn uh, and you're and dealing with those kind of quantities. So that's where UAE actually came in too. And uh, contrary to a lot of like you know uh, I think. Uh, Perceptions uh, about manufacturing. The, the here, perceptions. Yeah. There, the, I think it's a very robust industry over here. Yeah. Of course, like you know, the, the 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 3D printing aspect of it, even the electrical side of things. And to be honest, the team that we have onboarded over here on the hardware and the software side, and now we're setting up a factory here as well. Really? Yeah. It's great to hear. I love hearing manufacturing stories in the UAE because I totally agree. It's totally missed. Yeah. It is, and you know what? I've actually met with um, a lot of like. Um, uh, people uh, from the government and uh, even the royal family as well. And one thing that I love is the energy behind supporting entrepreneurship and especially the hardware projects mm. that are on the tech side. And so what I feel is that it's such a supportive ecosystem uh, of just like, you know, supporting uh, entrepreneurs who are sort of thinking outside the box. Mm. They're thinking outside the box. They're bringing innovative products, solutions to this region and uh, looking to create an impact. And Airzai is going to be a global brand, right? So the thing is that uh, the, the, the whole story sort of beautifully gets incorporated into the region. And by the way, uh, for a lot of people who are not from this region, fragrances are massive over here. Of course. People love fragrances, yeah. right? Uh, and it's part of the culture as well. Like, you know, you see Bahur, uh, that is like a home scent that, like, you know, that uh, uh, is very popular in Arab culture. And then Oud, one of my favorite notes for fragrances that is mm. massive over here as well. And in general, people just appreciate good fragrances and good aesthetics, right? Definitely. And so that presented a good opportunity for us to be in this region and sort of actually set up a manufacturing facility here as well. And so that's amazing. Yeah, and obviously there's a big real estate market and affluency around property and things like that from you know, to create a customer base. But just on the, on the factory side of things, what sort of licensing did you need for this type of a product in the UAE? And how did you go about mm -hmm. setting up the business here? So I think what we're doing right now is uh, we're still in early stages. So currently my role and my team's role here, uh, so my head of operations here that we just onboarded, we're proactively taking meetings with a lot of free zones, uh, we're speaking with, like I mentioned, like, you know, the representatives from government as well. So we're trying to yeah. navigate our way uh, towards, like, what is the most robust and most frictionless way for us to actually get the support and set up the ecosystem. So currently we have partnered up with another company that is operating locally. But uh, one thing we want to do, because it is going to grow really fast and 2023 is going to be a monumental year for Airzai. So we're trying to ensure that, like I mentioned before, having the right strategics uh, be part of uh, Airzai locally as well, where once we actually hit full throttle and we're distributing, and by the way, like our product is not only consumer, like, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be huge on the B2B side. So mm -hmm. like, you know, we're already um, executing deals with uh, top tier hotels. So you're going to see Airzai's in hotel rooms. Very good. <clears throat> I was going to ask about that yeah. as well. Like you know, when I was thinking about it for the home, I was thinking, well, obviously, you know, could it be for hospitality? Could it be for corporate? Could it be for res restaurants or, or and even the workplace? Mm -hmm. Do you have canopy for those functions as well? A hundred percent. And uh, not a lot I can share on that front because we haven't made this public yet. <laughs> but but you're thinking it exactly the right direction because, look, the thing is that 
we see like in workplaces, for example, and you have a lovely office here, like, you know, you see there is like uh, the productivity levels. And if you start monitoring it on a very micro level, you would notice that there is a sort of a, a curve, like, you know, when, 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 when the team starts early in the morning, they're highly caffeinated, they have like, you know, a cup of joe in their hands and like, you know, they're just ready oh, to roll. Out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Or like, you know, it's after New Year's Eve and they're just like, they're just really tired. Right. <laughs> but either way, they have like a midday, for example, slump after they have had dinner or oh, sorry, I'm saying dinner. After they have lunch and they come back to their desk, now they're relying on like Red Bulls or like caffeine or like, you know, they're just like looking at their, like, you know, watch, like when is this going to end, right? The thing is, that's where uh, something like AirSack can be incorporated, where we set up the devices and we have our, for example, our Bergamot Yuzu Sand that is infusing in the whole environment where it is very pleasant, by the way. Mm. Um, and uh, it's... Uh, hypoallergenic so like you know it's just like you know unless you have a very critical allergy it shouldn't actually affect you because it's very subtle and it helps in uplifting your mood mm. right so when people are coming in it smells good but at the same time so you're not getting smells of all the food that's been microwaved in the cafeteria or like you know different foods people bought to their desk yeah so it smells good and at the same time it increases the productivity as well yeah that's on the corporate side and then you have like just we talked about like you know you have hotels, a uh, big application over there, spas, gyms. So, and we have actually identified a very, very lucrative um, industry that we're proactively reaching out and executing deals with that I will be sharing very soon. But the application over there is going to blow everybody's mind because it's just a match made in heaven of how well AirZac can actually work in that environment. Wow, amazing. So, Manib, I was just thinking earlier when you gave the really good examples of speakers and smart homes <laughs> and lights and things like that. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, arom aromatherapy or, you know, fragrances in the home is something that some people do, but it's not something everyone does. Mm -hmm. And also it's not something that has been... Uh, smart homes yet or you know uh, hasn't been uh, what's the right words um, digital transformation or, mm -hmm. or uh, internet of things so uh, do you think you've got a behavior change to do have you have you got to sort of what, what's the time here like what are you looking at people who already have sense in their home and are you trying to get them to do a digital version are you trying to sort of get people who are interested in smart technologies and as well as doing their lights and their cookers and their freezers and <laughs> whatever, are you trying to get them to do one more thing and introduce them to this type of product? Uh, good question. So I think what, what has happened is this. Uh, when we first started, of course, it was pre-pandemic and like, you know, there was a certain trajectory, like, you know, uh, being a big data nerd, like, you know, we look at graphs and data and sort of assess where the, where the market is going. And uh, any industry that you're in, you need to have be on an upward trajectory, right, with your graph. Now, the thing is that there was a slow, consistent progression in terms of the adoption of uh, smart home technology okay. uh, within the audience, within the consumers. Um, but what has happened is since the pandemic, because everybody was con contained to their home, work from home, kids are at home. So pretty much your home became your sanctuary. Uh, where you were doing different things throughout the course of the day because the whole world outside was closed, right, for a good amount of time. So people quickly realized that the application of home is not just restricted to going to work, coming back, and just crashing or just sleeping or just, like, you know, spending some time with family. It became, like, a place where you're working out, you're even working, you're spending time with family, you're even hosting 
if you could actually meet people, but like, you know, you're just like having dinners and stuff and you're even meditating there and you're even sleeping there and you're spending quality family time as well. So people realize that there needs to be better products that can automate your life. In North America, like I mentioned, there's like smart coffee makers, smart garage door openers, there's smart, everything is smart, right? And people are quickly adopting to it because once you set it up and it goes on your app, you have you forget about it and you move on with your life, right? So it automates your life. And uh, I've had so many people who have actually come to me because uh, it's, it's a bit of an addiction. You start with just ordering one smart doorbell or just <laughs> one smart light and then you keep buying and you keep adding to the ecosystem and the ecosystem can keep growing, right? So since pandemic, uh, the trajectory of the adoption of smart home has exponentially grown. Like literally, if you look at the graph, it just goes up straight up. And still we're at the very initial stages of where this is gonna go. Cause mm. you've seen like how AI is taking over our lives. Um, and at the same time, like, you know, we need uh, these technology, or you look at, for example, cars, like, you know, you have Tesla, self-driving capabilities, like, you know, electric charge. So there's so many applications that are there and automating your life that it's only beneficial for people to start adapting to it. Now, the other thing is that, like, you know, whenever something new comes in, like a new technology comes in, it takes for a while, for people for a while to like, you know, just adopt to it because it's a little bit overwhelming experience. Hey. What if it's just like, you know, the light just turns on or like, you know, this happens or like, you know, I don't know how to control it. But one thing that companies are doing and they're spending billions and billions of dollars on yearly basis to simplify the way they engage with you. So it's as automated as possible. So, for example, if you actually own an Amazon Alexa or Google Home and now Apple has a home kit as well and you plug in these devices, they're literally plug and play. You just talk to them. You just tell them, hey, I need like an ambient light at 50% brightness and that's it. Like, you know, it just turns that on or, yeah. hey, play me some like, you know, Drake. Like, you know, and then it was just like, pray you that, right? Like, yeah. that's it. So like, I think- And you plug into <clears throat> those devices. Yeah. And that's all you do. That's it. So like, you know, it's plug and play and mm. it's so easy, so simple. And that's what excites us. The potential of like how massive this smart home market is going to be. Mm. And if you look at it, I've noticed this here as well, that all the new projects- that you see up and coming, one of their main selling point is the smart home aspect, Yeah. right? Uh, like, you know, they're saying, oh, they, they have like smart blinds, smart lights, smart, uh, like, you know, uh, air conditioning, for example. So all of those things are automated and that is the direction the world is going. Ultimately, yeah. we won't be using, the, the all these wall switches and buttons are just gonna be a thing of the past, like, you know, literally a, a generation down, they wouldn't even know, just like, what are DVD players? What are cassette players? Like mm. the Gen Z does not have an idea of what those are, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's how I think the hardware is going to progress and evolve as well. Fascinating. We're running out of time, but you know, yeah. as we are the day before New Year's Eve and we're heading into a new year, what are your sort of, you mentioned already that it's going to be a big year for RSI 2023. What are you looking forward to? What's the roadmap and uh, what can, how will we experience the company this year ahead? For sure. So I'll actually speak a little bit about Erza and then I'll actually speak a little bit about like 2023 in general for people. Yeah. I feel that uh, one of the realizations that I had in 2022, and I think we were talking about this right before this started, that um, I accidentally stumbled across the power of social media when we started creating content. So one of my social media managers, we were having a small um, 
internal meeting and I was like, it was a huddle and I'm motivating my team and I'm like, hey, like, you know, uh, we got one life, we got to start doing all this stuff. So it wasn't a lot of cliche stuff, but it was like more coming from my heart. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, you know what, guys, like, you know, let's, let's go, let's do this, right? And so she took a snippet of it, posted it on my social media, resonated with a lot of people, like, you know, the account started growing really fast. Now wow. we're at almost 400,000 people, the community. And one of the things that I realized in 2022 is the power of giving, mm. right? And I feel that the more positive energy and uh, the more knowledge we put out in the world, right, the more we attract the similar kind of benefits as well. So it's like you do it for the good, but good things happen to you. So I urge people to not only make 2023 about themselves, but actually get into the spirit of giving as well. Um, one thing that I'm a big advocate of is reading. Mm. So I gave myself a challenge of reading 52 books in 2022. I ended what what up number did you get to? 55. Well, no way. <laughs> wow. So smash my target. That's a huge number. <laughs> Audiobooks are pure reading. Uh, so it's a big uh, mix of both. Yeah. And I feel that, uh, practically speaking, I'm not a big fan of just reading. So mm. like, you know, I need to have, uh, so I am a big user of Audible. And mm. at the same time, like, you know, I have eBooks and then my uh, normal books as well. And like, look, uh, knowledge is the key because once you absorb the knowledge and according to a study, a typical C CEO of a company reads 60 books a year, mm. especially Fortune 500 companies, right? It's a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of books. And the thing is that somebody like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates spends five hours a day at least reading books, mm. right? Why are they doing that? The reason they're doing that is the more knowledge you consume, it gives you the tools, the resources to not only utilize it for yourself uh, with your team, but actually bring the knowledge in the world as well, right? And I feel that whatever I read, uh, I absorb, I try to put this out in the world as well. And that's why I've been so proactive on social media because I feel that the world needs to hear more about this and people need to read more, they need to share more. And one thing that we're tying this into Airza as well is since pandemic, just finishing it off on that, because like, you know, we have sort of forgotten about it, but unfortunately you've seen the cases are increasing again. You see, you look at China, like almost 30 million cases in a day and their stories coming out. So we won't be surprised. I hope it does not come back again. Uh, trust mm. me, like, you know, it was one of the worst times for everybody, for all of us. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that this time we need to be ready, mm. right? And aside from physical health, mental health is one of the biggest proponents of the what came out from this whole pandemic and made us realize that mental illness and mental wellness is actually one of the one of the most critical things in our lives yeah and part of our agenda with Airsai is that how can we utilize the power of fragrance to actually bring balance in people's lives so if you think about it people are constantly and you might have noticed they're stressed out all the time they're overworked they're underpaid the recession is looming uh, the inflation is going up then they go to their social media, they're scrolling and they watch like, you know, other people's lives or their highlights and they get even more depressed or worried or anxiety, they get this anxiety. And there's so much restlessness in, in the world. Mm. How can we create a sanctuary, especially our home, our living room, our bedrooms in a way where we go in and we're able to achieve balance? Mm. You go in and you just unplug, just unwind, right? You, you sit there you meditate for five, 10 minutes, you have a good scent, you have a good fragrance, just like I talked about sensory wellness, right? Sensory wellness is huge. It's not only just smell that we talked about today, it's the sound. There's scientifically researched sound waves that you can hear that can actually help you achieve balance in life, like, you know, from the wellness aspect. So my hope uh, with Airzai is that we can become a very, um, 
important part in our customers and our users' lives because mm -hmm. they come in and they can rely and they are able to drive benefits from the sand. But in general, for the people who are listening to this, focus on your mental wellness uh, and spread happiness and knowledge. The more you give out, the more you attract. Brilliant. And the macro situation, <clears throat> like you're obviously, you know, you're, you're in Canada, you're in the UAE. Uh, how do you view the UAE's economic outlook for the year ahead with regards to your business and the region in general? The, the more I talk with, so I talk, I connect with a lot of people and, uh, and I travel a lot, right? So um, I feel that the general outlook for UAE across the globe right now is very positive. And I joke around with my friends, like, you know, I should be one of the advocates for Dubai or maybe they're like, you should connect with Dubai tourism about this because like, you know, and it comes from heart. Right. Because what I've seen is one of the safest countries in the world with nearly zero percent crime rate. Um, the energy that you see over here, the people, they treat each other with respect. There is a lot of inclusivity uh, in the whole society, which is amazing. Uh, the local people are very welcoming of anybody who's coming here. Um, so I think those and then most importantly, booming economy. So you look at it, the inflow of capital in the region, both on the monetary side and intellectual side as well. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned, the huge talent pool. I think the outlook for 2023 for UAE is very positive. Um, and I think uh, this is a learning uh, time for uh, like, you know, established, uh, developed Western countries that look when you're when you're hungry, when you're actually when you have a vision. And when you have, uh, like, you know, when you are truly trying to make a country safe for people, both for local who are here and the people who are visiting, that shows and people notice and then people come. So, like, you know, for somebody like me, like, you know, um, I am a Canadian and I've spent pretty much all my life in Toronto. But when I compare the two countries, I feel that there's so much learnings that even Canada can have from UAE in terms of like, you know, how do you address the issues of like, you know, there's a lot of homelessness over there. There's a lot of struggles over there. People are hand to mouth right now. And more importantly, um, a lot of like crimes, like, you know, the crime rate is going up as well. So what is and like if countries like UAE have perfected this and they've unlocked this, they must be doing something right. Mm. So on the macro level, look at the main challenges the society is facing right now and sort of resolve them. And I see uh, how, like, you know, the, uh, the, the whole country runs as a whole in UAE because when they focus on one thing, they make sure not only they achieve it, but they excel at it. Yeah. And that's the kind of expectation we all need to have individually for ourselves too and then the, the other leaders of the countries too. Sounds like what you've just said is a good... A summary of what you're trying to achieve with Erzai. So, really pleasure listening to you this morning, Waneev. Thank you for your time, and we'll follow the journey of the company in the future. Thanks, Richard, for having me, and I feel so lucky and sort of very happy that I was part of your 200th episode. 200, yeah, imagine. <laughs> Congratulations, it's a, a big one. milestone. <laughs> Consistency, and like, you know, you're doing an incredible job, and yeah. you're an amazing host. Thanks I had a an lot. incredible time. Good to chat. Thanks, Waneev. <laughs> Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers, thank you. Thank you to Shahir and to Ali who put together the show today. Also, thank you to our listeners. As I said at the start of the show, uh, thank you for listening throughout the year. Uh, I hope you found some interesting things on the show, whether it's 
which licenses people are setting up their business in, uh, some tips and tricks on how to raise money, uh, different trends in different industry across all the different sectors from healthcare to marketing to uh, general startup, wellness, and energy, engineering, all the different products and all the different apps and companies that we've had out throughout the year. Thank you to all our guests, uh, and all the 200 guests so far, I should say. Uh, and if you're listening uh, on any podcast app, please do like, comment, uh, subscribe, and recommend to a friend. Uh, any, any person who, uh, any new listener is really important to us because it helps us get bigger guests. It helps us to continue to grow the audience and to provide good value for you uh, for free. Uh, and if you also would like to support Smashy TV, there is a subscription service on the app. You'll be able to watch online as well to do that. Uh, thank you and see you in the new year.